I believe that really great people have choices where they work. And if you're going to make a decision to go hire great people, which I think all companies try to do, then you better make sure that you have a great environment. Because if you don't, those really good people will go elsewhere. Welcome to Elevate, a podcast about achievement, personal growth, and pushing limits in leadership and life. I'm Robert Glazer, and I chat with world-class performers who have committed to elevating their own life, pushing the limits of their capacity, and helping others to do the same. This episode was previously recorded and published on the Outperform podcast. Our quote for today is from the wisdom of Tina Fey, and that is, being the boss almost never involves marching around, waving your arms, and chanting, I am the boss. Our guest today, Aaron Ain, knows this all too well. He's the CEO of Kronos, a $1.4 billion workforce management software company, and the author of the recently published Work Inspired, How to Build an Organization Where Everyone Loves to Work. As a business leader and highly experienced boss, he's led a 5,000-person company through impressive worldwide growth while retaining a family-first philosophy that continues to fuel the business. Aaron, welcome. It's an honor to have you on Outperform. Thanks, Bob. My honor as well. We don't want to say that you started in the, in the mailroom, but you've, you've had a long journey with Kronos, starting there out of college in marketing and sales roles, and then you held, I think, almost every functional uh, role in the company uh, up until when you were named CEO. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what it was like when you started there in 1979, and, and was it a place everyone loved to work back then? So I was 21 years old, had just graduated from college, and there were three founders of the company, and the company had been around for maybe a year, and maybe I was roughly the 10th employee. Wow. One of those three founders was my older brother, who is 15 years older than me, and I was unsure of what I wanted to do when I was graduating college, and he said, well, why don't you come help me and my partners get Kronos started? And so I said, Boston sounds like a fun place to live. And I decided to go give it a try. And I never thought I would last this long. I guess it was like any startup, although I wasn't sure I understood what any startup was like then. And what I mean by that specifically, we all did everything. We did what we had to do to help us move forward. It was exciting. It was energetic. Um, it was nice to be part of something that we believed in. I used to work six, seven days a week, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. So it was small. We were on the third floor of a walk up in Brighton, Massachusetts. Yeah, there are a lot of stories that have started in Brighton. A lot of people live there right out of college. I did at some point too. So I'm curious, when you started at Kronos, that's been your only job. Who influenced you the most as a manager when you were first starting out? And then what, what were some of the things they did to help you become a better manager and eventually a better leader? Well, you know, that's a good question. So people ask me that. And I really can't say that there were a lot of deep influencers for me as a leader and a manager. It wasn't the environment then. We were so focused, if you will, on the clinical aspects of the job that in many ways I'm self-taught. And I took my basic foundations of how I was brought up by my parents and my family and what I learned and what was important to me in terms of how to treat people and do the right thing. And I kind of developed my own cadence of what I thought a good leader should be and a good manager should be. But it wasn't something that 
I really felt that I was taught. And quite frankly, when I talk to other people in similar situations, even today, who they're really early in startups, they tell me a lot of the same things that companies don't have time as much as startups to focus on some of those soft aspects of who you are and what you need to do. So did you have a mentor at all? I don't think I had a defined mentor. I had people I worked for who I learned from their experience, but in many cases, they weren't that much older than I was because it was a young company and we were all to some extent learning and growing together. So certainly I learned from those people and I learned from partners who I interacted with. I learned from customers and I was just, and I still am a sponge. I just love to learn from other people. Well, I found, you know, the best leaders tend to be really guided by a set of personal core values as they're, you know, they're swim lanes. So I'm curious, what are some of the values then that you brought personally to, to leadership, which you thought were important in terms of your authentic leadership? Yep. Don't ask people to do things that I wouldn't do myself. Treat people with dignity, respect, being thoughtful and kind, communicating actively what's on my mind, trusting people to do the right things. I'm certainly working hard and putting the effort in. Those are core components that have helped me be, I think, successful and they're core to who I am today. And it's evolved from there. But for the most part, those are key components of, of my belief system. And there are a lot of people who think that those things are great, but they tend to be mutually exclusive with, with performance. So can you talk a little bit about how, you, how you've addressed that at Kronos you know, over the years in terms of someone who, who really you know, meets all those personal values, but just struggling in their role or job or can't do what, what it is that they need to do? Because obviously the company's grown a lot, so you, you've made some tough decisions. Yeah, I certainly believe that they connect directly. I clearly believe that business outcomes are driven by an engaged workforce. I believe with all my heart that great companies are driven by great people. And in order to have great people come work for you, and more importantly, to have great people stay with you, you have to have an engaged workforce. And so an engaged workforce is defined by a workforce that's trusting and thoughtful and people have great managers who they work for, who you communicate with them, who you collaborate with, who you're transparent with. And I think they go together hand in hand. I don't think it's an accident that in 2005, when we decided to get really serious in the areas of employee engagement, our business really took off even faster than it had in prior periods. Look, I believe that really great people have choices where they work. And if you're going to make a decision to go hire great people, which I think all companies try to do, then you better make sure that you have a great environment. Because if you don't, those really good people will go elsewhere. But if you can find a way to create an engaged environment where people are working for wonderful people, who they believe in what you're trying to do, who you're supporting their, them and their families, who you're understanding the focus on work-life balance, then I believe you will produce better outcomes because those great people will be fully engaged and perform. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a, you had this view, you know, it's a more popular view now. Um, but I, I think when you became CEO in 2005, this is not not something as widely discussed. So clearly a pioneer in this space. When you became CEO, was that just an evolution of the various roles that you had taken? Was that was that a job you wanted at the time? Or what, what sort of events led up to that? Well, I think what happened was the my brother was the CEO from when the company was founded, and he had been the CEO for 28 years in 2005. And I think he was at the point in his career where he wanted to move on and, and not be doing this full time. And so at the time, I was the COO. And until I was made the COO in 2002, I never really thought that I would be the CEO. I thought that he would just keep doing his role indefinitely. And when that happened, we started talking about succession, and I had an opportunity to assume that role. But up until that period, 2002, um, it wasn't something that I aspired to do, and it wasn't something that I thought I would have an opportunity to do. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And how big was the company when you became CEO? It was about $500 million in revenue. So we founded in 77, shipped our first product in 79, and 2005, about a half a billion. So you and your team, as you said, have focused on employee engagement as a growth strategy. I'd love to hear a little more about what you did when you became CEO to actualize that and how it plays out day to day throughout your organization. Okay, good question. I always would see other companies winning these awards as a best place to work. And I always, I remember saying to myself, why can't we be one of those companies? 
And so when I had an opportunity to be the CEO, I was able to put some of my ideas into play to try to drive towards that outcome. And then it was trying to figure out what it would take to do that. And I don't think we clearly understood what employee engagement was back then. I don't think we clearly understood what it meant to be a world-class employer. I think we understood what it meant to be a good employer, but not a great employer. And so I put my mind to creating infrastructure, included people and programs and processes and resources to become deeply focused in this area of creating a more engaged culture. And certainly an early goal was to win one of these awards as a great place to work. So I remember we're in the Boston area. One of the places where they would give this award would be the Boston Globe, best places to work. When we finally made it into the top 25, we were number 21. And then we went to 11. Then we went to number four. And then all of a sudden, we were number one. And we kept trying to improve in those areas. And we wanted to do better. And it focused on the various programs we put in place around specific programs around how we treat people from a work-life balance, what we do from time off, from the benefits we offer, from having great managers. But it also focused on this whole idea of transparency, trust, communications as well. So it was both the soft things and I would call the hard things that made a difference. So it sounds like it wasn't overnight and you guys had a consistent focus on on employee engagement and we're moving up those lists. Can you talk about some of the anchor programs that you did that were really uh, differentiator that you could see, you know, made the difference from the year you were number 20 and then moved up to number five? I know there's a lot of incremental improvements, but there must have been some some things that you guys did that really, really stood out from the marketplace. Yep. The first thing we did was start taking a more systematic approach to the engagement surveys we did. Instead of just judging our scores and looking at our results, we started actively focusing on the comments and we started holding our team members, particularly managers, accountable for improvements within their group. So we would say, okay, your engagement of your combined team that you manage was 62 not thrilled about 62. What I'm really going to look at is what is it going to be six months from now? So it's something higher than 62 as we march towards improvement. And we would ask them and train managers to sit down with their teams and go over those engagement results to discuss why we were rated, why the people on their teams rated the engagement with the company at those levels. And that was the start of the march towards improving the engagement from that perspective. That was the big defining thing that we did. And then we added additional programs that I'm happy to talk about as well. Yeah, I'd love to hear any examples you'd want to share. Sure. So we, at some point, had a deep belief that we wanted to find a better way to balance between people's lives at Kronos and lives outside of Kronos. So we started to actively focus on a whole world of work-life balance and tried to understand various dimensions of that, i.e. let people work from home, trust them that they would get their work done, try to focus on working moms, 
who might have their second child, young women who were really superstars at Kronos and were concerned whether they could really come back and work full time. So we would say, how about working part time? How about working from home? about finding ways that we can get you to still stay within the company to do those things. So those were important big steps and that dealt with the whole area of trust and telling people that we trusted them by our actions, not just our words. Now, another big defining character or, or well, certainly it's a characteristic of who we are today, but what we did was our whole my time that we introduced. In the period 2014, 2015, we were having trouble filling spots from a recruiting perspective. So I sat down with the recruiting department, said, what can we do to be more effective? And we discussed a whole bunch of ideas. And one of them was this idea of time off, where we were trying to hire people who were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who had been at other companies for a while, and they had accumulated the ability to get four, five, six weeks of vacation a year, and they didn't want to come to a new job starting back over at three weeks. And that led us to introduce our whole My Time program, which basically allowed people to take as much time off as they wanted to as long as they got their work done. Now, they had to get approval, and they had to... Um, everybody couldn't go at the same time. That's, by the way, is why trust also is important because we trusted them to do that. And perhaps the final thing that we did recently, and by the way, we're still trying to improve, was taking this idea that everybody deserves a great manager, taking this idea that people join companies because of the company, but they leave because of who they work for. So trying to create a program where we could measure the effectiveness of people who worked at the company as a manager with their people. Because one of the things we realized was that people, when they do surveys, traditional engagement surveys, they're answering questions because it's how the questions are asked that focus on the relationship between the employee and the company. How's your pay? How are your benefits? Do you understand the strategy? Do you have the tools to do your job? but they don't focus as actively on the relationship between the employee and their manager. And that was the final big breakthrough for us because now we hold all 800 people managers accountable to how they do in terms of leading their teams. So a question about that, and those are some great examples. One of the things I've I've found, we found in our own companies that grown and talking to a lot of my peers is that you have a lot of individual contributors who end up moving in a managerial roles and, and they're just not good managers and leaders. They're much better sort of individualists and 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 doing something and being responsible for it. So what what have you done? What is your approach when when you do these surveys and you find out that Susie is just a, a terrible manager and none of her people want to want to work for her. Well, Susie's usually always a great manager. It's Bill who we struggle with. <laughs> but uh, but put that aside for a minute. Um, so what we did towards that problem is maybe five, six, seven years ago, we introduced a custom design manager leadership program at Kronos called Courage to Lead. It starts with the basic concept that it takes a lot of courage to be a great manager. It's very hard to be a great manager who likes to have difficult conversations that affect people negatively. So we thought, oh, we checked the box. We've trained all of our managers on our multi-day Courage to Lead program. What we didn't recognize at the time was that some people took to that training and it helped them improve and other people 
didn't. And that's what led us to put our manager effectiveness body of work in place around survey tools. So now, twice a year, we survey every employee and we ask them 19 questions about their relationship with their manager. Every manager at Kronos has a manager effectiveness index. Every manager knows what their team collectively thinks about their performance as a leader. And that's made a tremendous difference. And we give them that feedback. They see what it is. And we encourage them to improve against the dimensions that are measured from that manager effectiveness. And let me say one thing about it. We have now proven statistically through a whole body of analytics around these surveys that our managers that have the highest manager effectiveness index, MEI, have the lowest turnover and the highest engagement. And the opposite is our managers with the lowest MEI have the highest turnover and the lowest engagement. Yet all those people work for the same company. They all get the same benefits. They all follow the same comp plans. The only difference is who they work for. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info the ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate. It's interesting. I was going to ask you this earlier, but now it comes up again. So you're, you're very open with a lot of this stuff. So how have you set the culture of psychological safety where people are willing to share that? Or obviously, if a, if a manager is looking at their effectiveness score and, and they have three people on their team and they were ranked really poorly, they know that it's one of them. How have you set the standard to stop retribution or stop them putting their people in the in the penalty box for you know ranking them poorly well it's it's a lot of work to do that first of all you have to get at least three people participate or else you don't report the results back for the reason you just said okay. we find that three or more seems to be able to protect people but we hold the managers accountable for the results of those manager effectiveness index work. And so that's why we do it every six months. And so a manager can't hide behind retribution forever. Their results are coming out every six months in those particular areas. Furthermore, though, I believe people want to do better for the most part. And I can't manage these programs by the lowest common denominator. So we have managers that thought they were really good managers. Why? because the engagement of their organization was really high. Why did they then think they weren't good managers? Because they got their MEI back and their MEI was low. How could that be possible? Because remember, traditional engagement surveys measure the relationship between the employee and the company. 
it's very possible that they had a high engagement score in that relationship, but their relationship with their manager was low. When managers got that, they actually thought they were doing a good job because they said, look at how engaged my people are. It wasn't until they got their MEI back that they realized they were missing it as a manager. And most of the people who got those low, low MEI scores have worked really hard to bring those scores up. And the ones who don't, then we move them out of being managers. But do you believe that some people just aren't meant to manage and, and that there's a... Of course. Yeah. And that, that, but the system has encouraged, they believe they have to manage to move up when I think there's a lot of great roles for contributors. You know, there's a great salesperson who's just not a good sales manager and they can earn more money by selling more. So what we did a long time ago, let's take engineering as an example. Yeah. We have both a manager track and a non-manager track. And if we call a top-level manager an E20, an exempt 20, it's the highest compensation, there are people who work for that person who can be a T20, a technical contributor, who can make the same, if not more, than an E20, and they never manage anyone. So we, a long time ago, realized that, and we work really hard not to say the only way to make more money is to be a manager. Not true at Kronos. We reward highly skilled technical individual contributors at the same level as, if not more than, we reward managers. And so you said that people figure out what you want to do. We have careers for both of these types, but it's not, it's about what you want to do. It's not about moving up the ladder. And it's not just what you want to do. It's what we think you can do. Yeah. So we have conversations where we don't think you'd be a great manager, but why do you want to be a great manager? (laughs) Be an individual contributor. You'll make as much money. You'll have as many rewards, et cetera. And I'm curious because you probably have a unique process for this based on a lot of what you shared, but when it's time for someone to move on, how do you, how do you address that? We have very frontal conversations with them. And so from a performance review perspective, we have about 7% of our employees who get reviewed every year. We call them role models. We don't call them a five, although that's how people would think of a scale of one to five. It's about 7%. And they're rewarded most actively. About 42% are what we call exceptionals. They're what would be a four. And then the other 50% fall into um, the other categories. Now, people who get in the categories of ones and twos, like a two is called inconsistent for us, we work to either get them to improve or we're very direct that this may not be the place for you. And so our turnover under our role models is like 1%. Our turnover with our exceptionals is 2 to 3%. Our turnover with the people who get like inconsistence or or not performing ones and twos is like 60% because we have active conversations and we deal with that. So we try to be very direct about it. And our system of performance evaluation supports that. We don't stack rank everyone. I'd love it if everyone was a role model, but it doesn't always work that way. And that's part of our courage to lead program, by the way. I tell people that The action word encouraged to lead is not lead. The action word is courage because that's the hard part. The next question I've been, I've been really looking forward to asking you because for all the unique things that you've done, I think this might even be the most. So you, Kronos has been 
recognized across the world as a top place to work. And, you know, it, it's hard enough to do in one country, much less globally. I mean, we've we've expanded to the, the UK and to Asia in the last couple of years and just seeing the dramatic cultural differences and how these companies work and how they think about work and some of the principles here that are even forward thinking are, are decades uh, different. So how have you expanded Kronos's happy and engaged work culture as you've grown globally and made it work in, in each of these regions? Because we set the same expectations. We tell our leadership in China and India and the UK and Mexico and Australia and New Zealand and Singapore and Canada that they are held to the same standards of driving performance and engagement and manager effectiveness as we do in the United States. And so if you measure it and you make it clear that that's a key part of what your performance is evaluated against, then I think, and we've proven it, that people will perform accordingly. Plus, do you know how proud our teams are in China to win a Great Place to Work Award? Unbelievable. Yeah. How they celebrated in Mexico that they were rated one of the best places to work in all of Mexico. Magic. So they want to feel that same feeling as well. And the leaders there strive to do that. And we do the same survey work there. We do the same courage to lead training. We do the same manager effectiveness. And we've proven that it works across the globe. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, it, it, it's you, you're making it sound easy, but but it's not easy. I think you're fighting you're fighting some interesting cultural implications in in countries where they're more blunt and countries where people don't have direct conversations. And and you know we've seen that like in in, in parts of Asia where people have said you know we we same similar thing. We value frankness and all these direct conversations, and people said, look, I just haven't. Not that they don't like it, they just they haven't done it before. So that's why we teach them. Though. Yeah. We train them, we teach them, we promote it. So to the extent they want to be like a world-class U.S. company is, then that helps them perform more effectively in that way. And that's interesting. Do you feel that it is a sort of you, not that it's not culturally adapted, but it is it is more of a U.S. methodology that you're, you're trying to, to roll out to everyone? You know, I'm not a global expert in that way. I know it works for us, and I haven't seen any evidence that it won't work around the world. Look, let me tell you like a quick story. So when I go visit a Kronos office, and we have dozens of them around the world, say I'll go to a Kronos office in Miami, and there's 40 people there. And the first thing I do when I'm there for some reason, I go and spend my first 20 minutes walking to every single person and saying hello to them. Just a quick chat, shake their hand, I, you know, walk. It takes me a little bit of time. And they're happy to see me. And I do that in our office in India with a thousand people. And it takes me all morning. I got to tell you, the place in the world where people get more excited when I go do that is India. Mm. When I walk into a section of a floor, everybody stands up. And they're so like, motivated and excited that I'm going to come and greet each of them one by one and talk to them individually. And so they might not be as vocal or as active, but they care deeply about being recognized. They care deeply about my participating with what they're doing in their jobs and what's happening at work and what's happening in their life. And I find the same thing in the places we do business. I have not found a country that I go to yet, and we're not everywhere, where people don't care about these things around engagement and, and working for a great manager and et cetera. 
Yeah, and it's you know a theme there. I think it sounds like what what you've tapped into. And you know what I haven't asked you yet, and this is the reverse order, but I should probably ask you now is what is your definition of employee engagement? Yeah, well, it's multidimensional. So people have different things that drive them. So our 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 formal engagement survey deals with all the the typical areas that you would focus on benefits, compensation, strategy, tools to do your job, et cetera. At the end of the day, though, engagement for me is that our top performers, as rated by the people who work here, stay with our company. Our top performers are motivated and satisfied to produce great products and deliver great service. That's really where the rubber hits the road. Gosh, do you think I'm excited about our role models? Our turnover is less than 1%. I'm like dancing to my car every night about that. Yeah. That our people who are exceptionals, our turnover is between 2 and 3%. Magical. So that's a way that I judge it just based on outcomes. And it's driven our success. Yeah, it's really about how you've designed your workplace is about tapping into intrinsic motivation rather than extrinsic motivation. It's both. It's both. When I stand in front of all Cronites, that's what we call ourselves in group meetings, the last thing I do is I tell them that if the most important thing in their life is working for our company, they have their priorities mixed up. That the most important thing for them should be taking care of their families. Do I want Kronos to be important to them? Of course I do. But to be the most important thing, ridiculous. They have the, that's ridiculous. That just doesn't make sense to me. I tell them to please go home and thank their families. I tell them to go home and give their families a big hug. And I tell them if they're doing it right, when they go and give them a big hug and their you know, loved one looks at them and says, what got into you? What's that about? And they say, well, Aaron told me to do that. Who's Aaron? And it leads to a whole discussion about work-life balance because I believe in it deeply then I think it makes a difference for us. We've proven that you can encourage people to have the right balance and still deliver great outcomes for us. Or that they perform better because they have the balance. I've always said, I, I, I've never met someone who's exhausted, stressed out, you know, financial problems at home that walks into work and leaves all of that stuff at the door. Right. And you know, when Times are tough or where there's a product challenge we have, or we have a customer we need to take care of, or people are in need. People will work their 60, 70, 80 hours a week when they need to, because they're grateful for the environment that we've created. If I could show you all the letters and emails I received from Cronites over the years about how our model has made such a huge difference in their life, I get teary-eyed about it sometimes. Really, I do, because I know it's had a remarkable impact on them. And they perform better as a result. Let me say one other thing about all these engagement things and manager effectiveness and great places to work. We don't do this because it makes us feel good. I mean, it does make me feel good, but we do this because it drives business outcomes. In 2012, we had like, I don't know, 15,000 people apply for jobs at Kronos. Last year, we had over 70,000. Do you know what the single biggest click-through to our career webpage comes from? Because we can track it. It's from these Best Places to Work awards. Yeah. A third of all people who come to our career webpage are coming through a Best Place to Work site that they click through. Now, is that a surprise to us? In retrospect, no. When you want to go to a new restaurant, what do you do in a part of town you haven't been before? 
Go to Yelp. Look up reviews. Okay. And if Yelp says the top 11, do you go and say, hmm, number 11, <laughs> I feel sorry for them. They must not get as much business. I'll go there. People don't do that. When people are looking for jobs, they're going and looking on Glassdoor and Boston Globe, best place to work, and Boston Business Journal, best place to work. And they're making decisions where they want to come to work based on these best places to work. So while it makes us feel good, sure, but it's helping us drive business outcomes by giving us a best shot to hire great people. Yeah, I think that's important for any any business leader who who is listening to this, who's complaining about being in a talent war and turning it over. I, I'm going to talk about we've seen a similar thing with these awards. We have lots of people applying each week who are just even applying to the the company, and our our culture team can spend time interviewing them rather than we don't really do much prospecting uh, anymore. We actually even hired managing directors in two different countries without anyone external or a search agency. We put it, you know, we put the job rack out there. They saw stuff about the company and we got some tremendous applications. Okay. So you understand it. That's exactly what I'm saying. So does it make you feel good at your company to be a great place to work? Of course it does, but it's just not about feeling good. Yeah. It's about really driving outcomes. You could say this. A lot of other people say it. I, I think a lot of people don't believe in it and maybe based on the whole sort of venture capital back reward system of grow fast and, and, and sell. But from your 30,000 foot leadership view, what, what do you see is missing or lacking in workplaces today in terms of management and leadership, particularly in terms of a place that people really do love to work? I think the single biggest thing that I feel that other CEOs and other leaders don't understand is the impact that managers have on the performance of the organization, the impact that leaders have on helping to retain really top people. Back to that whole thought again, that people join companies because of the company, but they leave because of who they work for. And I think if organizations understood more deeply this whole idea, the impact that managers have, the idea that everybody deserves a good boss, I think that they could be more successful sooner. That's something that took us too long to figure out. We were too focused on engagement first and then too focused on training managers. Until we really got our arms around measuring the effectiveness of those managers, we really didn't take the major leap into the top 1%. And I think that's something people don't understand as well. I'm not going to preach that other people should have open vacation time or other people should feel as strongly I feel about work-life balance, but I really believe they need to feel strongly about having an environment where everyone has a great manager. Great wisdom. Well, I want to flip it for our last question, which I always like to ask all our guests. And that's, you know, you've held many noticeable leadership roles in your tenure at Kronos. Reflecting back, what's a management or leadership mistake that you've personally learned the most from? That I couldn't expect everyone else to want to do and work and feel the same way I felt about their relationship with their job at Kronos. That in my early days, I used to think, Everyone needed to work as hard as I did and be as committed as I was. When I understood that everyone's an individual and a little bit different and then try to mold my relationship and try to manage them in a way that met their basic drives and needs, it started the process for me to be in a more effective leader and finding a way to get 
um, more performance out of those individual people. I was too focused on me and not focused enough on them. That is some great wisdom. Well, Aaron, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and thank you so much for taking the time, your experience, perspective, and visionary leadership in creating a world-class culture is truly inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you one day. Yeah, we'll have to do it soon. Since we just learned we live a a town away, so we'll make that happen. So, Okay, perfect. We'll be sure to include more information about Aaron, his company, uh, and his new book, Work Inspired, on the episode page. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, keep outperforming. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.